Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily. From Curiosity.com, I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how to make your next gathering more meaningful with author Priya Parker. But first, you'll learn about a molecule that promotes muscle health when it's magnetized. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Recently, a group of researchers discovered something that Ashley refused to believe when I told her about it. Essentially, they have found a molecule in your muscles that responds to magnetic fields. If stimulated, they claim it can help protect your muscles from damage as you age. I know that might sound ridiculous, but stay with me. There's some really cool science to back it up, and I promise Ashley heavily vetted this story, right? I did. Yes. Shout out to Cameron Duke, who wrote this story. We had a video call and just many emails back and forth talking about it, making sure that everything was on the up and up. And yeah, it's uh, it's real. It's wild. Right. And this doesn't mean you can run out to the store and buy some magnetic armband and it'll make you Superman or something like that. OK, that's not the takeaway. So we'll dive into the science and then we'll talk takeaways. The magnet friendly molecule I'm talking about is a protein called TRPC1. Super catchy, I know. TRPC1 has a small but important job in your muscle cells. It's like a bouncer that regulates the amount of calcium you have in your cells. Calcium can only enter if TRPC1 lets it in. The discovery here is that the TRPC1 protein works on overdrive when exposed to weak magnetic fields. As for why calcium needs to get into your muscle cells in the first place, there are two big reasons. The first is that calcium helps to neutralize metabolic waste and keep it from damaging your muscles. The second is that calcium triggers the production of mitochondria and muscle fibers. More mitochondria means your muscles can use oxygen more efficiently, and more fibers mean stronger muscles. And it's possible that the more calcium TRPC1 lets in, the more powerful this effect might be. So calcium helps boost your muscular efficiency and protect your muscles from metabolic waste damage. And it needs TRPC1 to let it do that. Which brings us to the magnets. How do they work? Right now, scientists aren't 100% sure why or how TRPC1 responds to magnetic fields. They just know from experiments that normal muscle tissue responds favorably to weak magnetic fields. But when they turn off the TRPC1 gene the muscle cells don't respond to magnetic fields at all. But why would anything in our bodies have evolved to respond to magnetic fields? Well, in the case of TRPC1, it might be because muscles generate weak magnetic fields as they contract. During exercise, your muscles burn through more oxygen and sugars than when they're at rest, meaning that metabolic waste will build up faster during exercise than when at rest meaning they will need more calcium as a result. Getting that extra calcium by using the magnetic field that the muscles generate would be a pretty handy adaptation. I mean, our bodies are composed of roughly 40% muscle on average. As we age, our muscles tend to deteriorate from inactivity and oxidative stress. It's possible that this research could lead to new muscle therapies that will keep our muscles healthier for longer. Now, Like I said, does this mean your muscles will benefit if you just put a magnet on your body? Definitely not. That's not what we're saying. In fact, studies have found zero health benefits to wearing magnets. 
All this research shows is that a protein in muscle cells reacts to magnetic fields. But any further claims need further research. So, stay tuned. For us, and for many others in the world, gathering with the people you care about is pretty much off the table right now. Instead, we're making do with other ways of connecting, especially video chat. But regardless of whether you're getting together in person or over webcam, today's guest says there are still some basic principles that can make your gathering more meaningful. Priya Parker is a conflict resolution facilitator who has helped create transformative gatherings, ranging from meetings on race relations on college campuses to peace processes in the Arab world. In her book, The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters, she shares her secrets on how to inject more meaning into our get-togethers. In our conversation, she started with a really basic tip. We often think about the things that we can control as like the form, but actually the most meaningful gatherings are when people know why they're gathering in the first place. So the biggest mistake we make is skipping asking the purpose of a gathering. Why are we getting, not why are we getting married, but maybe why are we having a wedding, right? Versus going to city hall. Why am I hosting this dinner party? What, what is an actual need? Why am I bringing these people versus that person? Why am I hosting this staff meeting? And so when we skip over the purpose, we just focus on form and then we think we can't actually control people, quote unquote. But actually what a facilitator does is you think about like, what is a need real people have and why may they want to come to this? And it starts from the invitation. So the first step in, I would call it shaping your people is to give your gathering a name and to help them understand what this thing is. So come to my dinner party versus come to my worn out mom's hootenanny. There's a lot more information in that second name. There's a lot more ability for a guest to say, yeah, I want to come to that. I want to, what, what's a worn out mom's hootenanny? That sounds amazing. Versus like a dinner party that is vague and doesn't actually give you information of like, do I want to sign up for this or not? And so a huge part of psychologically shaping the experience of your guests happens well before anyone enters the room. What's the invitation? What's the place that you're hosting this or right now virtually? What's the time of day, right? Is this a morning vibe or an evening vibe? There are so many psychological factors that help people choose to want to go and be a specific way well before they actually enter the door. So does it always have to be really specific? Like I'm thinking of my wife making a Facebook invite that was like Cody's 32nd birthday hosted at our apartment this Saturday at 8 p.m. So was there something wrong with that? Should we always be more specific than that? It, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a very generous act. <laughs> you should thank your wife. <laughs> but what I, I guess what I'm saying is, and I can just ask you now, like what is it in your life right now that you need or want? Like as you're turning 32, what is it that you are most thinking about or want in your life? What are you marking? Well, this is a couple of years ago. I'm old. Yeah, you're making yourself younger right now. <laughs> Thank you, though. Making yourself younger. But I mean, I guess I just, you know, for me, the idea is just let's all get together, have a few drinks and hang out, which is aimless, though. So you're saying there's a more compelling way maybe to frame it so that I get something more out of it than a vague let's all be together kind of a thing? So part of it is saying, I mean, the whole lens that I'm bringing to this is one of joy and meaning and connection, right? So let me give an example. It could be the same exact people 
And part of this is like, how do you make sure for yourself, for your own self and sense of novelty that your 32nd birthday doesn't just bleed into your 31st and your 30th and your 29th and your 28th. And it's like, oh, let's all go in the living room again and drink a couple beers and like hug Cody and like say bye. That's lovely. I'm not like, thank God you have friends, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What this book is really speaking to is if you want to turn the volume of like, meaning or novelty up? How do you create meaningful, memorable, specific experiences? So I'll give an example. It need not be complicated. I had a friend who was turning 50. He is not a birthday person, quote unquote, and age never really bothered him. But as he was approaching 50, he was starting to get upset. And he was thinking like, why am I getting upset? And again, he asked this question that I'm asking now, like, what is it that I need right now? What is it that I'm fearing right now? Like, what is 50 meaning to me? And he realized that his whole life, he prided himself on being someone who is adventurous, who takes risks. And he saw in his life that many people, once they turned 50 in his life, they began to retract, kind of constrict, take less risk, take the less risky jobs, move less, like go out one night less. (laughs) And he was really scared of doing that. And so he decided what he most wanted on his 50th birthday was to be with the people who always embodied expansion. So what did that do? First, it helped him understand who should he invite. He didn't invite everybody in his life. He invited the few people, the seven people for a dinner, super simple. And at the beginning of the night, he raised his glass and all he said was, he said to them what I just said to you. And then he said, and each of you around this table are here because you have always embodied expansion to me. And I'm scared. I'm not going to continue to expand. And I want you to hold me to it. That got me. Ooh, (laughs) that's wonderful. And again, like, that's what I mean. It's like, it's not like, firecrackers it's not like it's almost like clearing the brush it's like okay at the deepest sense of like who am i right now and particularly for a birthday right for a team like who are we right now what is it we most need what is blocking us from actually being a team what is blocking us from actually growing in a way that trusts each other what like what is the need and then very simply orient people around that need in a new way That was Priya Parker, a conflict resolution facilitator and author of the book, The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. You can find a link to pick that up, along with a link to her New York Times podcast, Together Apart, in the show notes. Priya will be back tomorrow to talk about virtual gatherings and how to do them better. Cool. Let's recap the stuff we learned today. Well, we learned that researchers discovered that a protein called TRPC1 responds to magnetic fields. And future research could lead to new muscle therapies that could help us keep our muscles healthier for longer. But to reiterate, research has found absolutely no health benefits to wearing magnets. This just shows that a protein in muscle cells reacts to magnetic fields. I mean, that's magnets are a magnets are very attractive to pseudoscientists because I don't know. They just seem very mysterious and like they have all of these invisible powers, it seems like. And so there are a lot of claims out there about what magnets can do and very few of them are real. So that's why we were so careful with this story, because it sounded on its face like just more pseudoscience. But it's kind of cool that there is a molecule in your muscles that actually responds to magnetic fields. Yeah. And the research involved was published in respected journals, and I think it even won an award, some science award in Europe or somewhere else. So uh, I vetted it more heavily than I vet most of the stuff that I come across. And uh, I attenuated it heavily when I brought it up to Ashley in our meeting. I was like, 
Okay, let me tell you about this story. It came from this journal. It won this award. <laughs> and I like <laughs> prefaced it and you're just like, okay, okay. And I'm like, magnets and muscles and your face just like dropped. <laughs> like, what are you doing to me? Perhaps more shocking than anything in this study is the fact that today's episode featured an insane clown posse reference. I feel like the magnets, how do they work is a necessary reference for every science podcast. And if you are a science podcast that has not made that reference yet, get on it. <laughs> That's going to happen. We also learned that the most meaningful gatherings are the ones where we know why we're gathering in the first place. And one way to create meaningful, memorable experiences is by focusing on what you need. What do you need from a birthday party or a baby shower or a family Zoom call? Make that clear and you could take your next gathering to the next level. Yeah, I'm going to say that Priya Parker was the most influential conversation that I have had in recent memory. She when I started that conversation, I was a person who had recently been engaged and was feeling very dejected about how we're in a pandemic and I'm not going to be able to have a wedding and just going to have to go to the courthouse and do whatever and uh, not get to see my family. And I was all sad about it. And then I talked to her and she talked about all of these clients she had had that had done all of these amazing things during the pandemic, including people who had gotten married over Zoom call and done these really amazing, meaningful things about it. And by the end of our conversation, I was like, I can do this. So we are planning a real wedding. Like there are not going to be that many people there in person because of safety reasons. But I'm inviting tons of people on video chat and everybody's going to watch virtually and we're going to do it up. And I'm so excited. And I have Priya Parker to thank for that. Yeah. Did you start planning like the week we interviewed her? Oh, I did. Yeah. I think I, I, I called a venue like two days after we talked to her. Wow. I also uh, I also got an officiant who will be there in person. Oh, yeah. Who is that? <laughs> That's a. Uh, that's that's Cody Goff. A little, little person named Cody Goff is going to officiate my wedding. <laughs> Wait, Cody Goff, the host of the Curiosity Daily podcast? The very same. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I'm my mind is still blown. I've, I've officiated like two weddings. Uh, so you, and you you like somehow found out that I did. Yeah, you had mentioned it. And then I had to, you know, I had to fact check. So I, I went on Twitter and searched your tweets and, and found something about it. Yeah, my mind is still blown by that. Um it's like the coolest thing ever. Like, yeah, it's it's hard to like process because it's such a compliment, right? Like, oh, it's a big compliment. Uh, so I'm really excited to do it. I mean, you're awesome. Your fiance is awesome. So I'm really excited. It'll be the first time. It'll actually be the first time we'll, I will have seen you since like March. It'll be over a year since I've actually been in the same place as you in person. So um, that's going to be fun. Yeah, that's going to be great. And if you enjoyed this awe moment between the hosts of Curiosity Daily, stay tuned tomorrow because there's more in our Priya Parker conversation. Yeah, man, we're getting real personal. 2021, doing it up. Right. Just letting it all hang out. Yeah, let it walk on the bridge. <laughs> it's a bridge um, too far. Yeah, whatever. It's, <laughs> all right, you're not getting married on a bridge, are you? Please tell me no. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, sweet. Today's first story was written by Cameron Duke and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to hear our podcast, How Do They Work? To learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.